0: Fuck it. We'll start from now. Uh okay, to Sort of Interesting. It's a podcast about uh history and stuff. I'm Charlie. Boss. Yeah, it's boss. <laughs> 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 <rest> That's <laughs> oh
1: <my God. laughs>
2: that great, All right.
0: Alright, we're off for a good start. Right? We'll do it again. I'm Charlie. This is what I sound like. This is me. Uh my uh, my Twitter. uh my Twitter at is at I underscore miss underscore meet you.
2: Uh, uh, I'm Alex. My Twitter app is Alex
3: Five Zero. Uh, that's it. Nice. Uh, I'm Lucas. I'm the only one that sounds American, and uh, my Twitter app is at I. Uh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> just good just, chat, Not knowing your own Twitter app. Go I just, off. <laughs> I know. It's like I don't like. Okay. M I A D O L U K A. Boss.
0: Alright, oh, no. I'll you know what? I'll just put it in the description and then they don't have to go back and listen to that. Yeah. They're <laughs> listening
3: to me to it out. It's is like
2: it's very like the 2006 episodes of a Joe Rogan podcast. Like That's sort all of thing.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I didn't even listen to Joe Rogan, so I don't even know like what Joe Rogan podcast is
2: like. Well, you're not really if you're not cool and bass like me and don't listen to all of his podcasts all the time, you wouldn't know. Yeah. But yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty
0: sick. What do you, mean, you just ask people if they've done DMT and seen the video of the monkey ripping that guy's nose? off. <laughs>
2: it's a good video <laughs> I've seen the video it's pretty good <laughs> oh fuck
0: Jamie pulled that up
2: <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna have a bear could be a gorilla and a fire
0: <laughs> right, I don't
2: think right. we see the full strength of a gorilla alright
0: all right. We, we, right, we got Enough hurry Oaks. on Joe Rogan. okay <laughs> the, the first episode of this historical podcast is about shit fall down later yeah. found uh many drowned unfortunately uh it's about a Titanic, but before we can talk about that, we got to understand what an ocean liner is, right? Because that's what it was. Uh, an ocean liner doesn't really exist anymore, right? Because uh, why the fuck would they? We have planes. We have aer- yeah. airliners. <laughs> uh, like a liner is a vehicle that exists to transport people across oceans in mass transit, pretty much. Uh, and planes just you know cheaper to build, faster, cooler, quite frankly. Ships suck. Um, yeah. The- the first, like, I've never been on a ship before. I'd
3: argue not. against that. It's pretty sick, but
0: yeah. <laughs> no. I've never
3: been like on a cruise or anything, so I, I've, I know, cruise is pretty I've,
0: weird. I've been on ferries, and then I read an article, like a first-hand survivor article, about the Estonia, and uh, never again. <laughs> <laughs> never again. Um, <laughs>
3: who was that guy who was driving like that ship in Italy that just like tipped off no, they, Oh, they, the Costa exactly. Concordia. The Costa
0: <laughs> Uh, that's it's on. Yeah, we, we, we gotta do an episode just on the coast guard guy screaming at him in italian <laughs> <laughs> get back onto ship <laughs> right
3: hey i drive the ship
0: <laughs> oh fuck <laughs> okay all right so steam ships right industrial revolution starting 19th century uh before that we just had sail ships and they suck right like yeah. just like sailing somewhere under under wind power, basically, you're you are as fast as the weather permits. Yeah. Um. The first steamship was one called the SS Savannah, and it sailed from Savannah, very imaginatively, in Georgia, That's to rich. Liverpool in 29 days. Uh, when I say it's a steamship, it was a sail ship with a steam engine in it. Oh. It it didn't actually use the steam engine.
2: What was it? how did the how did it propel itself?
0: It was a sail ship.
2: Oh, what did the steam engine do?
0: Just just a, well, it was just in it. <laughs> ah, yeah.
1: this,
0: this is a twenty-nine day voyage, and they used the steam uh, engine in it for eighty hours of that voyage.
2: Ah, I think like not anywhere near the majority of time.
0: No, it was a waste yeah. of fucking time. <laughs> uh. Like public reaction was just indifferent. Nobody cared. Um. <laughs> But this caught the attention of a guy called Isambard Kingdom Brunel, right? Best. Well, <laughs> I, think I, have good,
2: I have good memories of him. Uh, yeah, to history.
0: He yeah, well, th- that's before you read into him and realise he was just Elon Musk but with a top hat.
2: Oh, no! He's ruined all my childhood. I mean,
0: K- Kingdom Brunel. Alright, we could talk about the fucking Great Western Railway, what a disaster that was. But he liked to build big things and he decides, right, I'm gonna build a big steamship. This one's got an iron hole though, so it's pretty cool. I think it's a iron hole. It might have been wood, I don't really care. It was a paddle hey, It was a paddle steamer. Right? Yeah. Because we haven't figured out propellers yet. This is uh was this eighteen thirty seven? Yeah. They build the big the Great Western. It's named after his railway, Great Western. Uh, and it's like reasonably big, you know, say like two hundred and fifty feet long, like 57 feet across. It's pretty big. That
2: fathoms, we, we strictly speaking ship talk today. Yeah, we're a, strictly a fathoms measure of that for one. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so, it's just ships only. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so they build that, and this cuts the journey to uh to New York from Bristol down to sixteen days, which is pretty good.
2: Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, that's pretty. Good. That's much faster than twenty nine eight hours of steam.
0: Exactly. <laughs> this is pretty good, right? But they, they strapped the Great Western in 1856, right? That's only three years after he's uh, finished designing a new ship called the Great Eastern. Now, you, the thing we've got to understand about the Great Eastern is a fucking unit. How big we thought? 690 feet long. Jesus. Six, twice as big as the Western. This is yeah, an issue, I like right?
3: get a picture of it, I'm just like, holy shit, what is this? All right. It's, why is there, like, six masts on?
0: <laughs> because it, uh, because right, they're auxiliary masks because they're like, oh, what if the steam engines fail? Because you know it's it's eighteen fifty six and they still kind of shit. So, Back up. I, I just want to say some facts about this. The, there wasn't a, a longer ship to, than the Great Eastern until eighteen ninety
2: nine. Jesus.
0: The reason uh, the... for this was because the Great Eastern sucked balls. Ah. Uh, huh. it, it was just too big, right? Like. When you build a ship that's, like, twice as big as anything else in the world, it's just kind of, like, uh, it's in the way. (laughs) Like, ports aren't big enough for it, uh, or deep enough for that matter. So, it it worked as a, uh, like, an ocean liner, basically to Australia, I believe, until 1862, which, you know, from, like, 1856. It's not, it's not long. Because Brunel died shortly after its maiden voyage, and the uh, the ocean line fucking people running it were just like, this sucks. So the British government took it. They used it to, uh, you know, lay those transatlantic, like, wires and shit. Uh, after that, it just kind of bummed around for, like, 30 years. Nobody wanted it. Eventually, it was just broken up in eighteen ninety Didn't it uh, hit a rock? It, it did hit a rock. Know. In 1862, it hit a rock. It, on the near new york right and this opened a big gap in its told it was nine feet wide and 83 feet long the the total area of this this damage <laughs> yeah i'm I'm like beer and a half deep um, i don't even have a
3: drink i'm gonna be fucking parched by the end of this
0: all right so the the, the damage of this was 60 times bigger than the damage of the titanic right so yeah but the inner hole was fine. She sailed it in New York the next day on her own steam. Uh this is a side note, this ship was also too wide for the Suez Canal.
3: Hopefully that'll never become an issue again. <laughs> so this means I had to go around in Africa. Oh, yeah, this wouldn't repeat itself ever. No,
0: this this is something that will never come up again.
3: Yeah. You go it around is, the really. cape like God intended. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
0: Okay, yeah, they break it up in 1889 because it's just commercially unviable to do fucking anything, right? This It's really in, it's slow, it's big, it's inefficient. Uh, it also killed a few people. <laughs> That's good. That's um, what you
2: want, <laughs> really, from
0: a ship. There was an accident when... Uh, one, when the ship was launched, it killed two people because, you know, this was back when they launched them sideways into rivers oh yeah yeah. um
2: (laughs) was was there two men in the way by any chance
0: i don't know if they were in the way were they just killed by debris because obviously they push it off like a big wooden platform ah um there's also an issue where one of the uh the the steam pipes like overheated and pressurized and it blew one of the funnels off (laughs) like like a rocket just straight up when it landed it (laughs) it killed a crew member and five (laughs) boilermen. This, this this funnel's on display, I think, at, like, some museum in Bristol. Yeah. Um, you can go see it. It's just, it's just a rusted pipe. It doesn't look like anything, but it's there. Um, this, uh, the first ocean line to have, like, first-class cabins and amenities such as, but not limited to, electricity and running water was the RMS Oceanic. That was in 1870. It was by White Star Line. These guys are pretty important later. Uh, I'm not going to Touch too much on this, but this also had auxiliary sales just in case you know the steam engines stop working, right? <laughs> uh, By the 1890s, we get into this, right? The Germans are starting to get involved.
2: Uh-oh. Oh, best, we're gonna keep saying best when any new characters appear, and it got uh, right. that. I'll work.
0: A company called Norddeutsche Lloyd launched a very imaginatively named ship called the SS Kaiser Wilhelm der Große. Oh I would do that was it after yeah it's a mystery right
2: this the gross I yeah. mean
0: the big in Germany Yeah, or no? the great, <laughs> That's what it means. The great. <laughs> all right um they built this and it's like, oh fuck, this is fast so they built three more that are exactly like it big note right we have to we have to take a moment to mention this right these ships have four funnels oh oh uh they only actually needed two, but they had to overcompensate
3: yeah, of course you do. Yeah, you gotta show those fucking. You gotta show your Brits that you're saying I'm fucking serious about building these ships.
0: Yeah, this this is the the like, national equivalent of putting one of them big loud exhausts on your fucking Golf GTI. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> <is> fire, yeah. <laughs> Check out the size
0: of this. <laughs> it's got four
2: funnels, three. It's <laughs> <Stinky> American. <laughs> The muffler for my Civic. Why am I doing a French <laughs> I did Russian for some reason, and you went French. You're also <laughs> the,
0: the Americans, like, they're not involved yet. <laughs> no,
3: the muffler, yeah? The muffler will be louder on my Civic, yeah?
0: <laughs> yeah. You got That's a big exhaust on your it. diesel car, so this is what this is, right? Uh, now, I should notice out here, right? We just need to learn about the blue ribbon, not the little chocolate bars you get in Tesco. It's a figurative blue ribbon and it's given to whatever ship is fastest across the Atlantic. This is a big deal for some reason. Uh Ooh. now in nineteen oh two, guy called JP Morgan decides he's gonna get into boats.
3: Best. That name sounds oddly familiar. Hope it doesn't show up in any of the later podcasts. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah.
3: But Remember that one, kids. We're gonna see this guy a lot more
2: often.
0: <laughs> no JP not Not in the same way that we get into boats, which is, you know, like by stairs or, you know, like thinking, oh, boats are kind of cool. He's the absurdly rich guy getting into boats by founding a company called the International Mercantile Marine Company, and he buys White Star Lines.
2: Like the company White Star Lines or just White Star
0: Lines? The company White Star Lines. Christ. And and all of their assets. Like This is like Jeff Bezos deciding, I'm going to get into cars, and then he buys Ford. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so, the Germans have the fastest ships, yeah. The British have the biggest. Just before the J.P. Morgan takeover, White Star went four o- ocean liners that called the Big Four. Uh, they're all between 770 and 30 feet long, which is pretty big, 75 feet wide. They're called the Celtic, the Cedric, the Baltic, and the Adriatic, right? And they're pretty luxurious, you know? Some of these even have, like, indoor pools and Turkish baths, which is pretty nuts for the time, right? Like, 1901 uh I, i'm gonna make a note here only one of these ever had a fatal accident when the celtic was uh in world war one because you know the navy took it over they used it as an auxiliary cruiser hit a mine killed like 17 people in 1928 it got stuck off the rocks of uh the south coast of ireland near cobrite and you just got stuck and they abandoned it <laughs> and when they went to uh like salvage it salvage whatever cargo was on the ship uh, it had flooded with toxic fumes and killed 17 people. I think I'm. Great! Out.
3: Yeah. What kind of fumes early? You know, uh, Well, you know, just talk. Just cool. talk with your fumes.
2: Pneumonia. You know. Have a fancy
0: uh i don't know if i, I can find anything what specifically there were but i think it's still... i
2: idea that it's white phosphorus and so they're all just bleeding from the eyes it's great.
0: <laughs> yeah this this like passenger fucking liner in 1928 is <laughs> just transporting white phosphorus <laughs> an ammonium nitrate <laughs> <laughs>
2: Everyone's was, was just screaming and they all melt when outside in.
0: Yeah, It's like fucking Raiders of the Lost Ark, man. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, but it didn't really matter. At this point, these ships are old. what he fucking cares. They scrapped them all by 1933. But, in response to the US, and the now US-owned White Star Lines having the Big Four, the British government start bankrolling White Star's biggest rival, Cunard Lines, and they build two ships called the Mauritania and the Lusitania. These are both about 790 feet long, eight, eight yard feet wide, and they're fast, right? The the Mauritania holds the Blue Ribbon until like 1922 or something.
2: Is That's the longest period any ship's ever held, the Blue Ribbon, I believe.
0: Uh, I'd have no idea, I don't care. Yeah, I, no, I, didn't, I didn't fucking check.
2: Well, I checked that.
0: Oh, you just checked. Fair enough. Yeah. All right. <laughs> but in response to that, we can start talking about the Titanic. Because cool. White Star can't be having these two fucking big-ass Mauritania-Lusitania-ass ships taking all their business. So Bruce Ismay, Joseph Bruce Ismay, who owns White Star, or is the chairman of White Star, I should say. He doesn't own it. Fucking JP Morgan does. Decides, all right, we're going to build some big-ass ships. And he, in 1907, he goes to his ship supplier, you know, White... Uh, not White Star, Line, fucking... Harland and Wolf. Uh, the Harland and Wolf basically just supply all the ships for a uh, White Star line. Because one of the chairmen for both companies who is a guy we'll talk about later called Lord William Perry, He's, a, he's a, on the board of both. So, they go and order these uh, Olympic class liners. They're going to be made by Harland and Wolf in the shipyard. Uh, fuck. I've lost my notes. All right where I am. <laughs> <laughs> Just
3: edit this part out. Yeah. Boat big.
0: Boats big. Um, yeah. Alright. So Lord William Perry is going to oversee the design, right? And his nephew, Thomas Andrews Jr., who's a naval architect by trade, and he's the managing director of Alan Bull's design department, is going to design the ships. And then his deputy, Edward Wilding, is also going to help. He's going to like hold his crayons or something. And uh, Alexander Carlyle is going to be in charge of like the ship's decorations, equipment, and implementing an efficient lifeboat davit system. A-, a davit being, you know, the cranes that lower the lifeboats. Yeah, uh, and Lord William Perry, who does nothing, like he's he's just an aristocrat who makes money by being on the board of companies, right? He's just going to oversee it. Uh, Lord Perry is exactly who you think he is. He's got a top hat. He's got a mustache. He's born to a very rich pro unionist family, or initially pro unionist family.
2: Has he got one of those wicks?
0: Uh, maybe. Oh, best. I Um He served as mayor of Belfast for a period he was pro-unionist, but he decided, actually, I'm going to support home rule because it was better for his business. Uh, One of the main reasons Harlan and Wolfe operated in Northern Ireland, one of the main reasons uh, British companies would go to Northern Irish companies to build them there is because of sectarianism, things were cheaper to build in Northern Ireland because they didn't have to pay them as much.
3: Fair.
2: fair, fair. That is is fair. It is... um navies the Irish employees, I think they're called. Um,
0: yeah. Pretty really cheap. Labour. Um, yeah, you know, based, fucking distracting people from their rights with sectarianism. Very cool.
3: Fair. Build some more ships. A bit of fucking.
0: Look at them. Oh, ships. Look at them fucking Catholics, mate. <laughs> that's basically what they were doing every time they said look we keep dying building these ships <laughs> C- can we have like hard hats or something they're just like well oh, uh, the fucking catholics come here uh, take uh, your God. jobs mate it's like the fucking like warjack mpc meme they just get angry <laughs> right uh initially all right eventually they get a deal done for these ships right by nine end of 1907 the final cost agreed for the first two ships Hulls 400 and 401, which will become Olympic and Titanic, is three million pounds in nineteen oh seven. According to the Bank of England's inflation calculator, that's three hundred and seventy million pounds today. So it's not money. yeah, so it's like yeah, that's like a name. That's a, that's a Neymar and Mbappe for for you know for for Titanics. You could get PSG's attacking line.
3: Decent. Think of change that you could get like a little bit of more than one sandwich with that money. You, yeah, got like what, what, tw- you got like two hours alone.
0: Yeah, it depends where you're getting it though. Uh, if you yeah. get if you're getting like a what an Uber Eats subway, that, that's maybe like a six inch at least. Yeah. Don't know if you're stretching that out. Uh, they also get plus five percent on top of that, you know, just profit fee. So how them all actually make money. Uh, the designs for these are signed 1908. They're put into a construction in the end of 1908. Titanic uh, begins on the Olympic, December, begins on Titanic in March. They're built side by side. These ships are really big, right? They're so big that they have to demolish three slipways and build two new ones to accommodate them. And they have to build a big gantry to build them in. And the gantry's not there anymore. They knocked it down in the 60s to build a car park. Uh, But it, it used to be. Two hundred thirty feet wide, like two hundred seventy. Uh, no, two hundred thirty feet high, two hundred seventy feet wide, eight hundred forty feet long. It was built by the company that built London Tower Bridge. Whoa. Yeah, and the Forth Bridge in Scotland, you know, the big diamond red one.
2: Fat diamond red. Yeah, right it's painted Bad times.
0: Yeah, yeah. They have to paint it a lot, otherwise it looks like shit. Uh, Just anyways. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's true. That's another day. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's a big thing. It's, like, the biggest thing in Belfast, like, by far. Uh, They launched the Olympic in October 1910, and it's registered Uh. in May 1911, and she completes a maiden voyage without issue in 1911. Very cool, Uh. interesting, epic. On a fifth maiden voyage, she's sailing through the Solent, the channel between Britain and the Isle of Wight, and she's sailing parallel Uh. next to the Royal Navy cruiser HMS Hawk. And takes... It's basically it's the uh, equivalent of like driving a long car, taking a turn and not indicating Ah. or looking. They turn right, which is starboard in ship talk, uh, and this surprises the commander of the hawk. uh, And his ship is a you know Royal Navy cruiser. It has been specifically designed to sink ships by ramming into them.
2: (laughs) It's going well. Is that? sounds like that's gonna be a good idea for this turning right here
0: it, it collides with the olympic and tears two large holes in her starboard side uh now this collision floods two of the olympics watertight compartments it twists a propeller shaft but she's able to go out to southampton because it's, it's not far away the other fight's not that far from southampton uh no serious injuries the hawk suffered catastrophic bow damage uh oh. and nearly capsized but it was repaired and then sank in 1914. anyway.
2: I like the idea that while it's turning right, there's like Tokyo Drift Music players. Yeah. And I like whip around.
0: I, I like the idea, because ships are slow. Like the, yeah. ships are really slow. This probably happening in like slow motion if you're on the fucking bridge of the Hawk.
3: Yeah. Do you mm-hmm. think when they're on like the ships and they just see it coming, do you think they're just like, do you think they just like have a casual conversation
2: or like- Yeah, there's not much you can do, it's very, uh, it's very inevitable thing a ship coming to you because it's not, gonna, it's not gonna happen fast, but yeah, yeah they've got to stop suddenly.
0: It's not yeah. going to... St- yeah. You probably sat on the bridge just like, oh, fuck's sake, man. <laughs> Here we go. It's just a fucking pain in the ass, isn't it? Yeah. Because um, the Olympic didn't sink and it was hit by, you know, a Royal Navy cruiser designed to sink ships. The the whole in- unsinkable reputation that it's garnered in the media and in yeah advertising uh, just gets reinforced. Yeah. Oh. But it also highlights how they're just the size of these ships is an issue. It's, you know They're a danger to the proximity of other ships around them, right? And mm-hmm. uh, the Olympic and White Star get blamed for the accident. they got a load of massive right. legal bills. they got the cost of repairing the Olympic and the Hawk. Uh, and also, the ship's out of service, not making any money. The Titanic isn't finished yet. So, you know, financially, they will never recover from this. Apart from very easily, because J.P. Morgan's, you know, footing the bill, and I, th- I think he can afford it.
2: Just like yeah. a drop in the i'd imagine on. it could yeah uh
0: the repairs took eight weeks these are sped up because they replaced the olympics damage propeller shaft with a new one for the titanic which delays the titanic's maiden voyage by three weeks now they laid the keel for the titanic in march 1909 you know the keel is the the backbone of the ship excuse yeah, this yeah. Bottom structure that runs across the bottom of it yeah. uh, and then they build the rest of the ship on top of this and like a big steel frame like you know, kind of box girder style. And they, big
2: steel but, rests the ship's yeah. got them. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: And they, they rivet 2,000 roll steel plates to make the ship. Um, these, these steel plates are pretty big. They're like six feet tall, 30 feet long, and they weigh up to three tons each. Uh, depending on where they're going on the ship, they're like an inch, inch and a half thick. Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, welding doesn't exist. and welding's pretty cool, but they haven't figured it out yet so they got to rivet these big steel plates together Rivet to like little screws oh, yeah they're like little screws you punch them into a hole but you know they're permanent because when you punch it in it deforms the screw end under the plate keeps it in place uh most of these are put into place on the titanic by hand with big well not by hand with like big rubber mallets you know but obviously that's up to like manual labor people are a lot better at fucking things up especially when you don't pay them very much yeah the three million rivets on this ship there aren't 1200 tons overall just you know for the rivets uh now we've got to talk about workers rights and workers conditions
3: yes they were basically non-existent at the Yeah, th-
0: this is the Victorian era, pretty much, right? right this is the
3: era of workhouses and uh, no
2: uh, five-day work weeks. Like so. five quid a day. Uh, yeah. Well, not even. Not even. Not even that, it's 20 pence a day,
0: Right, so, of the Harlan and employees, there are 14,000 of them. There are 8,000-odd shipbuilders. Now, they generally work, from what I understand, 6am to 5.30pm, Monday to Friday, and then Half a day on Saturday. So, probably like 6am to 1pm or something on Saturday. So it's 50-60 hours a week, right? lot. So it's a long week. According to net, which I assume mm. very reputable.
2: Sounds like it. On the specific topic of the Titanic, I would agree. Probably, yeah.
0: These workers made £2 a week.
2: Uh, that's a lot of peas.
0: Uh, which, in today's money, is just over 240 quid a week, so... About £4.30 oh. an hour.
2: Oh, is so it an apprentice wedge. <laughs>
0: yeah, that, that is, mean? uh, that, that is... Yeah,
2: for like, to feed you and your kids. And, like all six of them as well.
0: Yeah, all, 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 all seven kids are all malnourished. You live in, like, a two-bedroom house. Yeah. The only heat <laughs> you, you have comes have, like, from burning coal. On. Yeah, you've all got tuberculosis, because, you know, you just burn, like, raw coal in your house.
2: You yeah. shit in a, a concrete bunker in your back home.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like, life is awful. For uh, the average Titanic shipbuilder, is what we've learned here. Uh, there were 246 injuries building the Titanic. 28 were listed as severe. It's like a Qatari stadium. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, actually, works. no, more people have died building those.
2: Oh, well. Um, walk could walk have.
0: Yeah. Uh, severe meaning, like, you know, limbs being, like, severed or crushed. Yeah. yeah, very cool. All, all the pieces of steel are being lifted by cranes that are, like, steam-powered, so... Because, you know, everything's powered by steam. We haven't figured anything else out yet. Yeah. Uh, only six people were killed during the construction, which isn't too bad for a construction project of this size. Uh, two were also killed in the shipyard's workshops. The last death occurred in the uh, start of April 1912, right, when a large piece of wood fell on someone.
3: Oh.
0: Oh. It didn't have hard hats. Yeah, Pro- Probably wearing, that. like, a flat cap.
3: Yeah. yeah. They, they didn't have they didn't have any safety procedures worked no, out yet. No, absolutely not. Work on the work on the ship whatever happens, happens.
0: I, I reckon like a shipbuilder in nineteen twelve look at all the safety precautions that have done and say, Oh man, the science of shipbuilding's gone, look at all this fucking fannying about with hard <laughs> hats. <laughs> oh, that's fun. Stay at this, man. Back in the day. Back in the day. Back in the Look, look if you got hit by a steel beam, that was your fault, right? <laughs> uh, it was the end of
2: you, man. you had to just deal with it. Nowadays, you right. can sue the fucking company. You
3: know,
0: we'll going back to talking about sectarianism, right? 1911, a census, <laughs> a, a census finds <laughs> that. I want a friend. We'll, we'll cut that out. That can be the, uh, the uh, fucking... No, ad. no,
3: keep it in. Keep it in. Uh, no,
0: keep no, no. Yeah, no. I, and... I'm saying I'll cut it out. I'll say I'll cut it out and make an advert and we'll put it on Twitter and just be like, all right, we'll go into talking about sectarianism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, a census finds in 1911 of, about, of 6,500 shipbuilders in Belfast, about 500 are Catholic. And these guys just get the fuck kicked out of them. Like, they got it bad. Uh, they get paid less. They get run out of town like, quite frequently there's a lot of history of just like whenever people start kicking off in belfast about all oh, workers rights and stuff the british government just respond by saying fucking catholics and they kick them all out in a south island <laughs>
2: yeah. um, uh, just quickly respond with look the catholics are angry and everyone just gets rid of them
0: right they finished yeah they, the, to they, they, finish, humanity. Yeah. <laughs> they finished the whole of the titanic in uh, in may 1911 and they launch it Down the slipway using 22 tons of soap and tallow to lube up the slipway.
2: (laughs) It's like a giant sex object. It's so lube. It's just like (laughs) slippery as fuck. This one's big slippery boy. (laughs) It's
0: just a woman inside the end of the slipway with the legs open, like coming. (laughs) Right. Yeah, they launched the whole... Like, 10,000 people got to watch, because there's nothing else to fucking do in, in Belfast. You can't and... see anything
2: else in Belfast it's in the way. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> you want to see them? You want to see them? Hey, what are you doing today? Nothing. You want to see them lube up a ship? <laughs> 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 right. Some butter and some fucking soap.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> the dry dock itself that they put the ship into to, to, to fit it, basically. you have to put it in the sh- this dry dock it took him six years to build it six years Six years to build this dry dock because i had to clear all the land for it there to like dig a big hole and then fill it <laughs> this, like fill the bottom with concrete to like make sure that it was watertight and stuff he yeah, has pain in the ass building a dry dock um it's virtually identical to the olympic but it was a little distinguishable because it had a, pr- uh, a different promenade deck right they had an open promenade deck on the Olympic and nobody liked it and didn't use it. So they just made more first-class cabins on the Titanic. It also had a, a fancier cafe for, like, paying first-class customers. It's called the Café Parisienne. Uh, yeah. These made the Titanic heavier than the Olympics, even though it was the same size. It had a, be, uh, a bigger displacement.
2: Did it also have the word Titanic written on it? It did. Rather than the word Olympic? It did.
0: But, well, dep- depending on who you ask... Uh, Ah, it's a bit of a conspiracy theory that we'll talk about later Um, but all (laughs) said and done Titanic with 46,000 tons a displacement of 52,000 tons it's 882 feet long it's 92 feet across and it's 175 feet high from keel to funnels right it is the largest ship in the world at the time and supposedly supposedly and at a time when this is the only way to cross the Atlantic it's it's a pretty big deal it's a pretty big deal and there's only, like, two of them as well, because, you know, ships take a lot longer to build than, like, anything else. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you want, like, a modern-day equivalent, imagine Boeing launching a new airliner, but there's three of them, and you have to be, like, Jeff Bezos or Rich to even go on it. <laughs> Fair. Or, or, like, an obscenely poor Irish immigrant family who spent all your money on tickets to start a new life in America. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, i talk about the decks, I don't know if they necessarily matter too much. There's eight of them, or ten, but only eight that passengers can use. You've got the boat decks at the very top, that's where the lifeboats are. Important, right? Because the yeah. boat deck and air deck and B deck, these are like first and second class only. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Um, you got the air deck, that's the promenade deck. It expends the whole 550 length of the superstructure, which is like the building on top of the hull. Uh, and only first-class passengers are allowed on this deck, no pooers. It has cabins for first-class smoke room, reading room, writing room, etc. B deck, that's the utmost level of the hull. It's got more first-class cabins, it's got, uh, you know, some restaurants, some small, small smoking rooms for second-class and stuff. Uh, the, the aft section, or rear section of this B deck is called the poop deck. This is the part of the outer deck where the third-class people are allowed to get that allocated segments of fresh air. <laughs> this is where they're allowed to congregate, and they will congregate later on. Oh, uh,
3: I hope that's a good congregation.
0: <laughs> you would be wrong. <laughs> uh, C deck. That's the highest deck that runs length of the shapes under the hull. Uh, it's got crew cabins, third-class public rooms. This is where the majority of first-class cabins are. Uh, D deck, first class reception room first class dining saloons etc uh, more third class space this is the highest level reached by the watertight bulkheads so the bulkheads don't go all the way up to the, the height of the hull, which will be an issue as they find out e-decks just more cabins third class dining saloons swimming pool turkish bath and kennels uh two dogs survive the sinking of the titanic that's good news. That that's good. Most of most of the pets on board didn't make it, but two two yeah. first class dogs did.
3: All oh, right, okay. Were
0: One of the dogs. rich dogs
2: were allowed. to Oh well, yeah, only
0: the, the rich dogs. dogs. Yeah, there, there was a couple of first class passengers who were like, "Look, I'm not getting off the ship unless my dog comes with me." Yeah.
3: That, do you think they had like? Do you think they had like stressed dogs back then? Like how they have like stressed dogs now? No, because or, like,
0: mental health didn't exist in, until like yeah. 1956.
3: No, it was it was called being yeah. sad because your wife didn't like. Him.
0: Yeah, it's it's called being sad because, you know, it's 1912 and everything's shit. Yeah.
3: Um, If you got tuberculosis, well, too fucking bad. Yeah, and everyone's
0: getting it because everything runs on coal. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, F deck, small, second, third class cabins. G deck, this is just above the waterline G deck. It's the lowest deck to have passenger cabins. It's also got the extremely necessary squash cart. Uh, which that I as- I assume the squash cop was right next to the third class cabins fair uh, and then you've got the post office and food storage and then you've got the all op decks and the tank top right this is just where the boilers are the engines uh, the turbines electrical uh, generators and stuff if you're on this deck and you have to rapidly ascend the ship badden
2: <laughs> oh. you to go, 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 go for the squash cop sorry
3: gaps, just to do your game yeah, upstairs. <laughs> <That's, laughs> just, just thinking, you believe? <laughs> Do you think anyone ever fell down the stairs?
0: Absolutely.
3: Alright. Probably some people building it, but he dies.
0: Yeah, probably. <laughs> this guy just falls down the stairs off like a platform, and then a platform of wood falls on him.
2: Kills him. He dies. He's
0: <laughs> yeah. like fourteen-year-old some cons collect his corpse, and just like continues his work.
2: Yeah. Gets like. Get like cholera from his corpse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. There's 1912.
0: Bad, bad time to be around. Right. Three engines. There's two reciprocating four-cylinder triple expansion steam engines. I have no idea what that means. Uh, and then there's one more centrally placed low-pressure Parsons turbine engine. I think the, the basic idea of these engines is that the steam produced from the reciprocating steam engines powers the turbine engine. Right. And the, t- the two steam engines on either side, they power the two main propellers. And then the Parsons turbine engine pro- uh, uses the small propeller in the central in the central one, right? These steam engines are big, because they have to be, because uh, it's a big ship. They're like 63 feet long. They weigh 700 tons. Steam has nine uh, steam has 29 boilers. Uh, th- they're just like 16 feet in diameter. They're 20 feet long. They weigh 90 tons each. They each hold... Not each hold, they overall hold 50 tons of water. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. Dude, steam engines suck. I'm thinking about it. Like, they're so heavy and like, inefficient. <laughs> yeah. Um. So to boil that water, you need to burn some of it, and it, it's just coal. Like, there's it, yeah. nothing fancy. It's just fucking coal. Very yeah. clean, healthy, enjoyable to work with coal uh the 700 very the,
3: common in the uk yeah
0: the seven thousand tons of it on board they got to burn 600 tons of that a day and it is all shoveled by hand by 176 stalkers and these guys work four hours on eight hours off the boiler room's like 50 degrees hot like 50 celsius so that's 100 That no, is
2: really a job that i'd want to be doing that's 120
0: yeah. fahrenheit no i didn't look uh, for a wage for these guys but uh i've seen it described as relatively generous so yeah. so but i mean like generous compared to shipbuilder is probably like six quid an hour
2: <laughs> yeah well, it's yeah, it's better than a shipbuilder but yeah it's still poor yeah um, it's a very good contrast to uh, the richest guy in the titanic yeah uh, who was i believe worth more than jp morgan was like uh, G-
0: john jacob astor i th- he wasn't i think he was like the third richest guy in the world or the second oh uh, well but he wasn't yeah. as rich as jp morgan um to that
2: contrast, to be fair, of being that guy in the ballroom and then being him?
0: Yeah, very, very big contrast. Yeah, despite that relatively generous rage, there was a noticeably high suicide rate for those in this role. Uh, Great. Shocker. <laughs> yeah, uh, this coal being burned produces ash. There's a hundred tons of it every day. And they just dump it in the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Environmentalism
2: is not really a thing in the time. Yeah, it's been, it's, they haven't. Yeah, that's been, the environment. They're, they're, they're,
0: they're, everything the runs on fucking coal. They haven't figured out what the ozone layer is yet.
2: <laughs> they just thought environment was a wine. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, awesome.
3: Look at oh, these black rocks. Make this nice smoke. Nothing bad will ever happen. Nice
2: smoke makes the world go fast. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. So these big <laughs> propellers are pretty big for this ship, right? Um, the two big ones have a diameter of 24 feet. They're made out of a mag- manganese bronze alloy. And then the, the little one's 17 feet diameter. and it Manganese is,
2: like, hella bendy yeah, on its own.
0: Mm, Right. The central propeller, 17 feet one, this can't go in reverse.
2: Oh. It, it, convenient. It just as we'll see later.
0: It, it just stops. So uh, It's an issue as well, right? Because, when, obviously, when you want to slow down, you put the, the main two in reverse, but you, this one could only stop. And this... If, reduces how effective the rudder is. So it reduces your turning circle. Which is Uh,
2: probably not good (laughs) for when you want to get away from large objects that may or may not sink you.
0: It's true, it's true. Uh, There's 16 watertight compartments on this one and they're separated by 15 bulkheads. And as we said, they go up above the waterline but not right to the top of the hull. And there's 11 watertight doors in these and you, you can seal off a compartment in an emergency if you want. Uh, these compartments right uh, the 16 of them if four of them are full you can seal off the four ships fine won't sink if you breach five it will sink Mm. important later on there's 20 lifeboats uh this is an issue right because you got 20 lifeboats these can only hold 1100 people this ship has a 3500 people capacity but by I sure law. Hope they
3: put all the lifeboats everywhere and not just on one deck.
0: Or not just on the, the air deck, the highest deck in the ship where only the rich people are allowed. Yeah, that'd be uh, inconvenient. Yeah. Well, yeah, so there's only 20 foot on board. There's only 20 because they're not, by law, they're not needed to put more on. Right? They only need to put an, enough on for like a third of the capacity or whatever because at the time it's not believed that like. A ship this large with this many people on it can reasonably sink quickly enough without another ship near it they just assume oh well well we just need it to ferry passengers from one ship to another and not to have you know have to carry everyone on board for the same period of time so there's 1100 uh, space on lifeboats for 1100 people but there's 22 people 20 22 people on board ah they'd be fine 2200 people on board Which is an issue, I'd say 50%. Uh, Lord Piri, is advised by the ship's designer, Thomas Andrews, you should have twice as many lifeboats on this ship. And Lord Piri goes, Nah! Nah! Fucking nah! And they only put 20 on, because they only had to have 20. Uh, The main reason for this, literally the main reason is, well, if we have too many lifeboats on the promenade deck, we'll get in the way of the view.
2: Oh, huh. That's actually the important thing, really,
3: isn't it? The view of uh, well, We're not dying. Yeah. But they're poor people, so do they really matter to the rich people?
0: Well, the, I just want to point out, the view of what?
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, yeah, no. yeah, you're right. So, <laughs> the docks. I mean, we've all been to that. I don't know if you have, actually. I'm not being fair, uh, I've not been
0: that. I've been to the south coast of England. But well, I
2: can imagine it's not that pretty. Uh,
0: yeah. I mean, I guess just it depends where you're at, but it's just land, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's not like a cruise ship. It's not like you're going to stop in like Venice or something. Um, yeah, the view of what? It's a fucking ocean. There's, there are stops on this. It's, it's stopping in Ireland and France, but not like Nice Island and France.
2: Just, just bits of Ireland and France.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's mostly used to pick up like mail and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, man. Nothing man. like actually important, right? Uh, it's also got a Marconi wireless telegraph system. This transmits Morse code messages for over 350 mile radius. This specific Marconi device is, has a rotary spark gap, which meant that the ship has a distinct musical tone and it can easily be distinguished from other signals. But also, uh, this signal can interrupt other ships' signals, which is why rotary spark gap transmitters were banned worldwide in 1934. <laughs> Fair. Um, the wireless room can of important this is on the the boat deck it's like right at the top of the ship right it's a little room it's not that big it's got two guys in it so there's 3,500 people on board there's room for 833 first class 640 in second a thousand in third and then just over 900 crew fucking such a waste of space like 900 crew members on a fucking ship just to run it mm-hmm. versus like what like seven on a plane yeah right uh Interior design, at least for the parts of the ship that first and second class would be used, based on high-class hotels, you know, like the Ritz in London being a particular reference point. Uh, they've got various styles in here, from like Renaissance style to Louis the Fourteenth style. I don't know what this looks like. Uh, they all kind of look the same right now in real life. Um, but, you know, they probably look like boring and fancy. Because that's just what, you know, rich people in like 1912 are into. There is a seven-foot-deep saltwater swimming pool, which is saltwater. Yeah, it's still full, you know. Oh. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah. There's a gym, a squash court, Turkish bath, and an Alakat restaurant, which is run by a res- Italian restaurateur called Luigi Gatti. Uh, the, they serve
2: um, seafood.
0: Uh, they serve f- seafood. They serve food. I had the I, I, I put pictures of the menus in the notes, and they're just not there. So. But I mean like it was like a fourteen course or a, like fucking menu. Yeah you had like typical rich food stuff. From what I, if I remember correctly, the third class menu had just had gruel on it. That was one of the options. Oh,
2: As opposed to like caviar and poor people's fingers. Yeah,
0: virtually. you could you could have like you could have like uh, rice gruel and uh like fucking like biscuits and so on, I can't remember. So I, I think is? I think I think toast was an option on the third class menu, so get it. That's not too bad, right?
2: I, I would take toasts over so the rest of those options.
0: Yeah, I think Do we're... they have
2: chicken tenders?
0: <sighs> One sec. Right. I know I have the notes for this somewhere. Chicken nuggets on there. Yeah, I don't think they had chicken tenders on there, which is a shame. Is the type of, yeah. I want to point out, I put it in the chat earlier, it's completely off topic. I got KFC with a fam tonight. My, my nephew's nine, so he just gets chicken, popcorn chicken. My sister put a min, chicken mini fillet on his plate, and he said, I'm not eating that. <laughs> It is the same thing as uh, as popcorn chicken. Had to There's no difference. It's, 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 a, it's a different shape. It's it's you, just as small He's like, I'm not eating that. Right. Uh, <laughs> let's see. All right. So the first class menu had hors d'oeuvres, oysters, like poached salmon, oh. filet mignon, that, that kind of thing. Flaming yarn. Yeah. A fucking. I don't know dude. <laughs> nah, it's Philip Magnon. <laughs> I, <laughs> I've I've never been in like a an upper class restaurant in my fucking life. Shocker. <laughs> shock, right? oh, yeah, shocker. That's odd. Maybe not true. I went to like a nice Burger King once. This is an Alicante Airport. How do you know? <laughs> right. A second class. Second class was like the first class menu, just a bit smaller. So it, ha- it has like fresh fish, rolled oats. Fruit. <laughs> I'm not kidding, they literally <laughs> just say it's fruit. Uh, grilled ham and fried eggs, fried potatoes, stuff like that.
3: No, but you have to remember, like, fruit in this time, like, oh, yeah, that's, it's, in- like, exotic.
0: Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, yeah, if you're
3: eating things All right, th- the, third,
0: the third class menu had oatmeal and porridge, we'll oatmeal, oh. porridge, and milk, smoked herrings, which, yeah, that sounds fair enough, ham and eggs, jacked potatoes, rice soup, uh fresh bread, cabin biscuits, sweet corn, plum pudding, cold meat.
2: Cold <laughs> meat? It's, like, just like slices of meat.
0: Uh, cheese, <laughs> oh, like, not not together, but like cheese and pickles. Oh. Fresh bread and butter, stewed figs and rice, and tea. And then uh, for supper you had a choice of gruel cabin biscuits and cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus Christ. Right, yeah, so, I mean, it sounds bad, right? Like, third class on this ship <coughs> actually wasn't too bad compared to, like, other ships at the time. Yeah. Like, normally, steerage class was just big open dorms with a bucket in the corner. But on this, yeah. you had, like, actual cabins for between yeah. two and ten people, which, uh, you know, a little bit better. Uh, Titanic sea trials began on the second vehicle. Uh, just after they finished fitting it and, uh, and just passed them straight away. The, the tests pretty much just consisted of going up to 24 miles an hour and then stopping. Uh, <laughs> uh,
2: was there any uh, dodging icebergs involved in the test? No. Not no. Not yet. No.
0: That would have been useful. That would have yeah. been useful. And who it, needs
3: to steer? You have the biggest ship in the world. You, you just, just to go steer. through There's it.
0: nothing that can get there is, a, there is a theory, I think. The guy who found the wreck, Robert Ballard, he was like, oh, if the ship was crashed head on into the iceberg, it had been fine. Yeah, bad. I don't know if it would have been. I guess it depends on the size of the iceberg. Right. There's 885 crew on board. These are the ones we need to know. Captain John Edward, Edward John Smith, he's 62. This is his last voyage before retirement.
3: Hmm. Lucky. <laughs> was it an enforced retirement or was it an optional? Retirement? No,
0: he's just like sixty-two, which is like ninety-four in today's yeah, age. Oh so, yeah, he
2: was around there the opposite beforehand, so he yeah. he'd been around,
0: been around for a while. He's uh, been the internet for a while. He's from Stoke on Trent. I-, I lived in Stoke for a year, and there is a statue of him in Hanley. Uh, there's also a there's a brewery called White Star Brewery that was found like two months after they found the wreck in 1985, and I went. Yeah.
2: Original Big Four, he was part of that. So he was the salad captain.
0: That's crazy, dude. Was he the one who crashed <laughs> it on the coast of Ireland? <laughs> it would be quite funny if that was him. It definitely wasn't, actually, because he died like 15 years before that happened, right? Oh, fair. <laughs> <laughs> right. No, I, I went to this brewery, uh, this like bar that had a load of breweries, uh, beers brewed by like this Titanic fake company or whatever. Uh, I had a pale ale called Iceberg, and it fucking sucked. Oh, that's
2: good.
0: Yeah. Uh it's like the iceberg, I suppose. It's fitting. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Icebergs are pretty cool, I guess. Uh you got Chief Mate Henry Tingle Wilde. I don't think he did anything, but he's just got a cool name. Uh, first First Officer William McMaster Murdoch. Uh, that's also a pretty good name.
2: Why have these all got like shit names? It's brilliant.
0: In, in the movie, in the movie Titanic, he shoots Jack's mate Tommy and another passenger, and then kills himself. I like it's like d- disputed where this actually happened. Like he died in the sinking, and apparently, Second Officer Charles Lightoller said, "Like oh yeah, I know somebody that shot themselves that night." But like nobody knows, or right? no one's ever going to know for sure. James Cameron did have to apologize to Murdoch's family for it. Ah, that's good. Uh, second officer Light, although we talked about him, he survived in a really badass way and then served in World War One and then he was part of the Dunkirk civilian evacuation in World War Two. He died during the Great Smog. Uh in like nineteen fifty ah. something Oh yeah. In London. Yeah, yeah. Uh you got the original second officer, David Blair. Now, he he was dropped from the crew shortly before take uh departure. He took the binocular cupboard keys with him by accident. Oops. Ooh, uh, yeah spa. see a bit of an accident a bit of an oo-woo. uh
3: should have should have uh kept closer uh check of that key you think
0: yeah it should've, might, should've, might come in watch useful it, it might oh, come, carefully. it might come in useful uh and you got third officer herbert pitman there's some notable passengers on here uh no one of the reasons this is such a famous thing is she had a bunch of fucking rich dudes on it right first class passengers yeah. first class tickets were anywhere from in their money, 30 quid to 870 quid, which is now like 3.5k to 100 grand.
1: Holy oh,
0: fair. I don't know, man. I've never spent like 3.5k on anything. <laughs>
3: yeah. yeah. I don't even think I've had like 3.5k in my bank account at any time.
0: I, th- I had like 2 grand in mine once before I had to pay rent. <laughs>
3: Got all rent.
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> So some of these passengers include Noel Leslie, Countess of Roths, wife of the 19th Earl of Roths. I really
2: thought you were going to say Noel Edmonds there, and I was like, oh, that'd be yeah. fucking weird. Oh, oh
0: it would have been fucking weird. you imagine? <laughs> imagine Noel Fielding on the Titanic. <laughs> All right. You have Archibald Gracie IV. He's a real estate investor. You got Bruce Ismay, Thomas Andrews, uh, from White Star. Lord Perry was ill; he didn't go. Lucky. Lucky. John Jacob Astor IV and his pregnant 18-year-old wife, Madeline.
2: How old was John Dexter at the time?
0: Excuse me a minute.
2: Was he? Was it? And mean, I guess that he was much older than eighteen.
0: He was forty-seven.
2: Ah, <laughs> yeah, yep, that's eighteen. I found a list 19, of uh, things oh. he had in his pocket at the time. Yeah, uh, gold watch, cufflinks, gold with diamond, a diamond ring with three stones, two hundred and twenty-five pound English notes, two thousand four hundred forty US dollars in notes.
0: So, yeah, hmm. also a gold pencil. Yeah, he was bowling.
2: It was ball. Right.
0: Yeah. He had a net worth at the time of eighty seven mil. At the time eighty seven mil. Yeah, today that's two point three bill. Okay. Baller. Yeah. You got Benjamin Guggenheim. He owned Macy's department store, left an estate of two and a half mil. Which uh today sixty six mil. Fair. Uh, former member of the US House of Representatives and Macy's co-owner, Ensador Strauss, and his wife, Ida. Uh, George Denick Wick, founding president of the Youngstown Sheet and Tube Community, a community company. Big steel manufacturing firm, basically. Uh, John B. Tare and his wife, Marion, railroad baron. Uh, Charles Hayes, president of the Canada's Grand Trunk Railway. You've got Molly Brown, million, a woman's millionaire, woman's rights activist a uh, uh, film actress called Dorothy Gibson and uh, Major Arch- Archibald
1: Butt.
0: Oh, uh, he, he was, Archibald. He was President uh, Taft's military aide. Mm. J.P. Morgan and uh, the Hershey guy were meant to be on it, but they cancelled. Uh, mm. And there's a guy called Sir Cosmo Duffgarden.
2: Really convenient that everyone in charge of the production of this ship is not on the ship.
0: Yeah. Well, that's where the conspiracy has come from. Yeah. Uh, Sir Cosmo it was Duff meant Gordon
3: meant to be on
0: purpose. <laughs> <laughs> it's we'll really, it a really, inefficient <laughs> way of assassinating people by sinking a ship that you own. True. Yeah. Um, Sir Cosmo Duff Gordon and his wife—they're prominent Scottish landovers They've got a silly moustache uh, and name. I uh, noted here he's a bastard. We'll get to ah. that later. Uh oh. Right. They're going to New York, they're going by a uh, Cherbourg in France and Queenstown in Ireland. And they set sail on Wednesday the April 10th. They come some passengers and call in Southampton. Third class have to get on a different entrance to first and second, of course. Um, they go to Cherbourg, first, sound. Go to Cork, sound. Some of the passengers get off in Cork. Uh, one stoker as well, called John Coffey. He gets he get he's from Queenstown. He gets off in Queenstown by hiding under a mail bag. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck! I don't want to be in the
3: ship anymore. Let me just hide behind this mailbag real
0: quick. <laughs> First three days are fine. Hit a cold front thirteenth of April. Some strong winds and waves, but nothing major. Everything's fine. Fourteenth of April. Very clear. Very calm. Uh, as the north atlantic tends to be in april the nearest land at this point is newfoundland so they're not far from the arctic circle right yeah well, there's a little fire in the coal bunker because you know it's coal it just burns sometimes um but this this is put out after 10 days this put it's got put out on april 14th some people seem to think this weakened the whole but you know who knows
3: uh Mm, I, I don't think i don't know it would make sense i guess but like it's also like in a bunch of fucking uh it's just like in a bunch of metal so it wouldn't really like the heat would kind of be suppressed a bit but
0: i mean i, I guess it like maybe expand it a little don't no yeah uh smashing
2: a shit with an iceberg we get to hold
0: that's true yeah. That's true uh, throughout the voyage, speaking of icebergs, they receive a bunch of warnings about icebergs in the oh. area of the Newfoundland banks. First at 9am on uh, April 14th from the R- RMS Coronia. Captain Smith is re- confirmed to have received this message at one forty-two, and then 45. They get a message from the RMS Baltic and SS America stating they're passing big icebergs in the immediate area of the Titanic. At 7.30 and 9.40pm, The SS Californian reports three large bergs. None of these messages get to the bridge. A Uh final warning comes from the Californian at 10.30pm saying, we've stopped for the night in an ice field. In the Titanic radio operator, Jack Phillips replies, shut up, shut up. I'm working Cape Race. (laughs) As standard practice of the time dictates, they continue at full speed. (laughs) Uh, because at the time it's believed that ice poses little threat to large ships. Close calls with ice were not uncommon at the time, though. So 1907, Captain Smith said, I could not imagine any condition which would cause a ship to founder. Modern shipbuilding has gone beyond that.
2: Uh-oh. It's a very bold statement for a man who died Titanic.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah. A very bold statement. He doesn't
3: know that yet, so we know, but he doesn't, so... A
0: bold statement for a man who founders a ship. <laughs> Alright, after 11pm, right? I've got to paint the picture. It's pitch black. It's the fucking ocean. There's yeah. no moon. The sea is totally calm. So there's absolutely no way you're going to see anything that's like more than 50 feet in front of you. Actually, Especially...
2: Without binoculars.
0: That's true, yeah. especially without binoculars. Without binoculars. Uh, Archibald Grace letter said, the sea was like glass, so smooth that the stars were clearly reflected. At 11.39pm, Lookout Frederick Fleet spots an iceberg, and he gives the classic, Iceberg right ahead! And he alerts uh, Sixth Officer, James Moody, who alerts Murdoch. Murdoch offers Quartermaster Robert Hitchens to chain the ship's corpse to hard start bird right apparently this was a famous line I I, don't know, I didn't see the fucking movie to write this yeah. um, the idea was they were going to port around the iceberg so they'd stay on course but they'd go right around it so they'd swing the front end right front end around it and then the back end around it and like Tokyo drift around it but they're going full speed <laughs> so they can't like slow, they can't stop because it's a ship it's like fucking 50,000 tons right yeah um they revo- they avoid a head on collision but they scrape the right hand side against the ship right against the iceberg right and the result of this is six little openings with a combined coverage of about 13 square feet it's oh. it's not very big but they're, they're long they're like 30, the longest of these is 39 feet long there's no evidence of an immediate collision above the waterline a little bit of ice on deck but you know nothing everything's fine However, water starts flooding in through these scripts about seven tons a second. Uh, Fifteen times faster than it can be pumped out. Stoker's down here, had it pretty shit already, and now they're in fucking, like, ice-cold water. That's... yeah, that's true. If they don't cool the boilers, which are full of hot, very high-pressure steam and water, there will be a large steam explosion. Uh, they managed to reduce the fires and vent the boilers, but by the time of doing this, they're balls deep in freezing water, right? Air temperature of the Atlantic is probably about freezing, if not a little lower, so... You know. Yeah. Right. The bulkheads. The watertight oh, compartments.
3: I remember those. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> if five compartments fill up, the top of the bulkheads will be submerged and it'll sink. They breached five compartments.
2: Yeah. That's that's great. <laughs> the dramatic effect on that was brilliant. I love that.
1: <laughs> dun, dun, dun.
0: Like, Thomas Andrews goes down to look at the damage and he's like, Oh fuck off man. You're joking me.
1: You're fucking having a laugh.
0: Right. And these compartments have to fill up though, right? And the the seven tons coming in which sounds a lot but It's a really big ship so it's not filling up that quickly yeah and it's got to fill up the first four bulkheads before it starts like properly fucking sinking uh so the angle that's sitting in rapidly drops to about five degrees forward in the in the, in the water in like an hour and then yeah. it stops for like an hour uh oh. so people are like oh it's fine like, people just get false hopes, like, oh, this is going to be fine. By five minutes past midnight, now April 15th, Captain Smith orders the lifeboats to be uncovered. He doesn't order an abandoned ship. The radio operator starts sending out distress calls. There isn't a PA system, and it's midnight, so stewards are having to go door-to-door to alert passengers. Uh, and because this is an extremely classist 1912 society, the starting first and oh, second, really? there's, like, two people going going to third. <laughs> Yeah. Um there also there isn't like uh, a system, there haven't been any drills for what to do in the event of an emergency. There isn't a, an abandoned ship procedure. So people are just coming up to the top deck and putting on life jackets and standing around. First class, you know, you got assistance, you got a hand job while you're fucking putting it on second class. you got a little bit more third class you just said all right come upstairs lad you're getting your extra air today Um, a lot of people just went back inside the ship because it's warmer (laughs) because it doesn't look like anything's happening nobody was told at this point oh it's sinking it's fucked by quarter past stewards ordering passengers life jackets on no one's asked uh John Jacob Astor Fourth is quoted as saying, We are safer in here than in that little boat.
3: <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um Wonder if anything bad'll happen to that guy.
0: <laughs> yeah, I wonder.
3: <laughs>
1: uh,
0: nobody is told by the crew that the ship's sinking. Captain Smith tells Fourth Officer Joseph Boxall about twelve twenty five that it will sink. By twelve uh twelve twenty, lifeboats are underway. There's 20 lifeboats, there's 16 wooden ones, and then 4 collapsibles. The collapsibles are a pain in the ass to launch, they're like upside down, you got like canvas sides so you got to pull them out and fold them up and stuff, it's a nightmare. Each lifeboat holds about 70 people so the space for about, you know what like I said earlier, 1,100 people. Like at this point, unless they get help, like at least a thousand people are going to die. The ship was actually designed to carry up to 68 lifeboats. But, you know, views. <laughs> of water. Of, of fucking water. Yeah. Do
3: you think if it was daytime when they hit the iceberg, everyone would have looked at the fucking iceberg as they were hitting it?
0: <laughs> I, I think they'd probably seen it <laughs> think a little, a little yeah. earlier.
3: Yeah, I mean, they got to see an up-close look of it anyway. True.
0: True. To be fair, that would have been the only thing that (laughs) i have seen in the entire voyage. Right. Right. So they're loading the lifeboats now from like 1220 onwards. Uh, These are done by Light Ola and Murdoch. And their orders put the women and children in and lower away. Like verbatim, that. So Light Ola works the port side, Murdoch the starboard side. And they both interpret this order differently. Murdoch goes, oh, okay, women and children first, any extra seats, men. Lytola says, women and children only. And orders several lifeboats away with empty seats in it. <laughs> uh, though, yeah, like I said, no lifeboat drills. While well, there was a little one in Southampton, but what they basically did was just lower a boat and then have them row around the dock for a bit and then return <laughs> to the ship. <laughs>
2: Practice, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> There isn't any uh, signs and lettering of which cabins are going where. Yeah,
0: no. (laughs) Um, Bruce Isma had to roam the deck of the ship and convince people to get into the lifeboats. (laughs) The first one to be launched was number 7. This was loaded at 12.45am. Had about 28 people in it, which is less than half its capacity. Amazing. Lifeboat 6 launches at 10 minutes later. It's got 30 people in it. One of them is Molly Brown. She's one of the rich people from earlier. She's actually sound. Yeah. She helped with the evacuation of the ship. She also threatened to overthrow Quartermaster Robert Hitchens off the lifeboat if he didn't turn around and help survivors.
1: Oh. Huh. Well,
2: um, that's, you know what, credit to her. Yeah. yeah that's quite uh, nice. I mean, she's I getting on first, but it was asked. you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, just... yeah, true. Uh, yeah, lifeboat five launched, had like 40 people on it. Three had 32. Number eight had 39. Life but one, I just 12. Oh! <laughs> By one twenty am the the angle's getting a lot worse, right? Started increasing again. People have realised, oh fuck. <laughs> it's <laughs> sinking.
1: Uh-oh. Gee,
2: they, they, they were taking the piss earlier on.
0: John-John <laughs> Jacob John Astor is quoted as saying, Ship fall down. <laughs> <laughs> Flares are being fired every few minutes up near a track attempt from passing, passing ships. Uh, radio operators Jack Phillips and Howard Brad, repeating, repeatedly sending distress signals. Uh, they used the new one, the new distress signal SOS. You might have heard of it.
2: it's one of the, one of the first ships to use SOS. Yeah, yeah. It was. Yeah. CQD is the standard. Yeah. But, uh,
0: Cock and Quall, Doctor. I believe that's. <laughs> <the name>. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it translates to like attention, all stations, distress, but it sounds funny, it. Right it's really <laughs>
1: Yeah,
0: okay. <laughs> uh, a bunch of a bunch of ships respond. The closest is to the Carpathia, right? And that's a Cunard line steamer. Its biggest
3: rival, no less.
0: No, that's a different ship. <laughs> well, oh, it's a different. Shit. Oh yeah, ship. yeah, yeah. Same line, different so, ship. Yeah. It's fifty-eight miles away, but fifty-eight miles is like four hours in a ship. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh, Californian's really close, but they've gone to bed. So, <laughs> get beat to the california yeah um and while this is happening the engineers and firemen under the decks are frantically working to vent the steam out of the boilers to avoid a steam explosion uh, uh chief engineer bell and a handful of volunteers stay behind to keep the generators running as long as possible because once the lights go out like pitch black nothing uh to their credit they keep it going just like to like two twenty a.m just a few minutes before it sank most of the engineers and firemen stayed, but it was obvious no more could be done by like 20 am. By this point all the lifeboats had been launched so they just go up to the top deck and stand there. 3rd class passengers are the same, the majority that's 5 on lifeboats were 1st and 2nd class, most 3rd class stayed, they got lost in the ship because they were in parts of the ship that they, they had not been allowed to go to before. Um, there's lots of gates and partitions that separate first, second and third as well. So that they're just getting stuck behind the gates and stuff. This is partly down to a requirement of US immigration law at the time which mandates that steerage class be segregated.
2: Based America,
3: once again. Yeah. No, it's not based.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. That was a nice one. Yeah. All right. And there was a few third class that made it, right? A, dis- a disproportionately high amount of them were English-speaking Irish immigrants. The ones that de- uh, the ones that just spoke it Irish had no fucking chance, right? Uh, but yeah,
2: you, you got a bit, you got a bit lucky if you go, "Oi, mate, it's a fucking lifeboat, yeah." Yeah, and <laughs> all that. Right. I'm on a second lifeboat. but second <laughs> <laughs> lifeboat. <laughs>
0: There was one third-class steward right, called John Hart. He organised three trips to the ship's interior to escort groups of passengers up to the boat deck. Uh, But a lot of third-class passengers just stayed in their cabins or grouped up in the third-class dining room to pray. Fuck's sake. Yeah. Fireman Charles Hendrickson reported seeing crowds of third-class passengers below decks with their possessions just standing and waiting for directions. Because, like, <clears throat> they, they are, That not, makes it, me so fucking mad. Yeah, because, like, <laughs> in your entire life, they've just been told what to do, right? By, like, yeah. colonial oppressors. So they have no agency of their own to say, like, okay, we're leaving. Because if they <laughs> yeah. do, they'll get fucking arrested or something. Yeah. Uh, by one third 30am, the angle of the mortar is now starting to increase. The front five the front watertight mm-hmm. compartments are full, and now they're spilling over into the rest, right? Uh, and now, obviously, as the angle gets worse, coming through the portholes and stuff, it's, it's getting fucking real. Yeah, it's getting hotter. Once, once people realise that it's actually sinking, uh, they start rushing to lifeboats. So, lifeboat 11 had five people more in it than its listed capacity. Uh, a group of passengers tried to rush 14 as it was lowered, which prompts fifth hour... Fifth hour officer harold low to fire three warning shots from his service revolver a lifeboat 16 noted for having stewardess violet jess upon it she was on the olympic when it hit the hawk and she would be on the britannic when it hit a mine and sank in world war one lucky yeah Uh, she she did uh, she did fracture (laughs) (laughs) she did fracture her skull when the britannic sank but uh, uh, yeah, her lifeboat hit the propeller and she just fractured her skull. But, but she survived. She was fine. She was fine. Oh, uh, still working
2: in her boots when she arrives. Yeah.
0: If you're a passenger and you see her getting on, you're just like, oh, fuck off. Fuck,
1: fuck off. <laughs> Here we go again.
0: <laughs> right, one forty am collapsible seas launched. Bruce Ismay gets on this one. He doesn't die on the Titanic, but his career does. he gets labelled the coward afterwards by the press for not dying (laughs) and everyone else does lifeboat 2 launches at 1.45am and second officer light reports it was initially full of men that quote weren't british nor of the english speaking race so he threatened them with his service revolver until they got out but he couldn't (laughs) find enough women and children to fill it so he launched it with 25 people on board (laughs) (laughs)
3: <laughs> so if i was on this ship i would have been fucking dead we all
0: would yeah, would we, all would, yeah we, we all would, all to would
3: be
2: finished, yeah. but me we and cb might got away with it by just shout angrily in english but yeah
0: yeah you've got to ancestors we're were.
3: If, uh, my ancestors have probably never seen a fucking boat in their life <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> Right. Uh, 10 minutes later uh, why is it 10 minutes later? it's the same one I think no it's 10 minutes later right Light is launching Lifeboat 4 and he refuses John Jacob Astor entry onto it
3: Based.
0: Uh, Based. so he, he's racist but he doesn't like billionaires that's what we've learned yeah. <laughs> racist billionaire mm. uh, but he does let his pregnant wife onto it this launches with 40 people Astor was last seen on the starboard bridge wing smoking a cigarette with journalist Arthur, uh, journalist and author Jacques Frutel. Isidore and Ida Strauss died in the sinking Ida refused to leave her husband Benjamin Guggenheim got changed out of his life vest into a top hat and evening best stating I'm going to go out like a gentleman ah, uh, class. T- uh, Thomas Andrews he's seen throwing stuff off the promenade deck for survivors to use as flotation devices. Sir Cosmo Duff Gordon and his wife and their secretary uh, are among the 12 passengers in lifeboat one. They are later accused of bribing the sailor in charge of the lifeboat not to return to the site to help survivors. He denied it in the press, but they called him a coward.
3: Yeah, he can't be sat around all those poor people who are about to die. Yeah. <laughs>
0: The uh, life life but launch was collapsible D. It's launched at 2.05 a.m. By this point, the seawater's reached the boat deck. So, you know, the whole like the whole bow is in the fucking water. Uh, Captain Smith is seen for the last time. He's touring the boat deck before returning to the bridge. You know, for the classic uh, movie scene where the fucking bridge implodes. Oh, yeah. Uh, at oh. least two passengers report seeing an officer shoot one to two men and then themselves, which is reported to be Murdoch. Hence his portrayal on the film. Uh, big myth that the band continued playing as the ship went down uh, didn't happen. What yeah. uh, like, did the band uh, do? Fucking died, I guess.
2: Get get in.
0: Uh, they did all die. They they stopped playing at least thirty minutes before the sinking. Uh, the two radio operators, obviously, they kept going till like the very last moment. Bride stated he heard them playing as he left the radio cabin he survived uh, Phillips didn't oh. uh, Bride got himself into lifeboat B Phillips went to the back of the ship Bride survived with frostbitten feet
2: I'd, I'd take that over death in the ocean yeah
0: Yeah, absolutely so from 2.15 onwards the angle in the water get, begins increasing rapidly right like you know you've seen the movie you you seen how it goes down they did it yeah. pretty good in the movie, actually. They pretty well. I, I don't know. I haven't seen it in a while. Yeah.
3: yeah, I don't. I haven't seen it in a while either. But I do remember the sinking scene.
0: Yeah, so I actually like fucking had a couple of nightmares about this after writing this episode. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty hellish. I already don't like both.
2: It, it is quite scary, to be fair. Um, yeah, I
3: already don't
0: like. If you
2: read the, the 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 distress transmissions from the Titanic, the very last one it sent at two seventy a.m. Is cqd this is titanic cqd
3: this is and then it stopped so it went underwater
0: oh, yeah. it's not that it went underwater the power oh went the guy out. left and they yeah. went underwater the power went like
3: out. i'm afraid of the ocean so like anything with like water travel just fucking scares me anyway so this just doesn't help yeah, anything
0: yeah. At I, I, i'll right. wait till you do estonia man <laughs> that's worse <laughs> um, yeah from 250 onwards the angle in the water begins increasing even more right Causes a wave to crash on the boat deck and it sweeps collapsible A and B into the sea. And a bunch of people trying to launch them. This includes Light Holler, uh, Six Officer Moody, Archibald Gracie, and Harold Bride. They get swept into the upside down collapsible B. Light Holler is sucked into a ventilation shaft, blown out by a gust of hot air, and emerges next to collapsible B, which he gets into.
2: I can't lie. I mean, that is quite funny the way he's got like
1: he's like landed.
0: Yeah, you got lucky. Um, As at this point, this is like 2:18 or whatever, the forwardmost funnel collapses and crushes a bunch of people in the water, just missing a lifeboat. Passengers report hearing a load of muffled explosions, which you know probably trapped air pockets escaping or just imploding. Uh, Survivors report seeing the stern of the ship rise about 30, rise to about a thirty to forty five degree angle. Yeah. In the end, as this is happening, there's a bunch of explosions and bangs going off in the side of the ship. And people are like, "Oh, that's probably just like the boiler room coming loose and stuff." Uh, but it's later theorized that this was actually the ship breaking up. Oh. Because at this point in the water, the, the lights have gone out, right? Yeah. The the lights go out like, five minutes before the end. Archibald Gracie later went on to say, like, oh, I didn't go out in two pieces, but he wouldn't have fucking seen it. Yeah. Um. Yeah, so, I think the general idea is that it broke up on the surface. It breaks up about this point, when all these uh, explosions are going off. Obviously, the main reason it breaks in half is because you have, like, 45,000 tons of ship resting entirely on the keel. Yeah, and it just fucking snaps. <laughs> um, by two twenty a.m., it's just gone. It's under the water.
3: Could uh, you imagine like what it would sound like? Just you're just out on the ocean, and you're just hearing this ship just like collapse, and like pitch black nighttime. It would be so fucking horrifying. I'd probably oh yeah, oh yeah. Follows, like,
0: All you would hear is like you know. The, the ship breaking up and people screaming screaming <laughs>
3: yeah
2: And you, uh, you, you could hear and not see most of it yeah
0: exactly uh, right what are we up to now, the back end of the ship it's not like the movie right uh, in the movie it goes like fucking yep. vertical in real life it's like the back end of the stern it settles back into the water and just kind of sinks to, like another 30 degree angle it's a bit less interesting. After going down, the two ships continue, obviously, going down. I want to point out, by the way, ships aren't supposed to use the Z-axis in 3D space. <laughs>
2: yeah, they're, it's very, they're very, they travel a lot on two dimensions. Yeah, you've you
0: got X, you got Y. If you're using Z, something's gone wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it becomes, to be fair, the Titanic had a lot of world first and it was the world's first, like, submarine to go to 12,000 feet depth. <laughs> you got to give it credit for that. Yeah, the, the first, and to my credit, my knowledge only, mass transit submarine liner. <laughs>
3: <laughs> you never know. Maybe, maybe this happens again, but, like, it's Jeff Bezos, like, making, like, the ultimate submarine with Elon Musk. Like
0: Elon, Musk <laughs> and- Elon Musk and mass public transport. Right.
2: He's a bigger fan of just a, car, a tunnel that could fit one car.
0: A, a, a tunnel for cars.
2: <laughs> and nothing else, not even room for an emergency passage.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: right. They take about That's five big minutes big to long. hit the bottom of the ocean, which is like twelve thousand feet. That's pretty pretty big. It's a big trail of debris, of course, because you know it's in half. Uh the bow section continues. Just at the angle it sank it hits the ocean for like 30 miles an hour so relatively intact uh the the back end of the ship uh didn't <laughs> it went down like vertically like spinning like a helicopter exploding because of all the trapped air in it Fuck uh, sick. yeah pretty sick kind of epic it hit the ocean for it, enough force to bury itself 15 feet, uh, 15 meters deep at the rudder. And the depths kind of like implode and pancake on top of each other.
3: Yeah, because all that pressure from just deep ocean and all the water on top of it just like compounding.
0: Exactly. Fucks. Right. God, the ships scare me so much. <laughs> Forces, dude. It's crazy. Yeah. Right, on the surface... Anyone who wasn't inside the ship when it went down is having a pretty bad time in the water. (laughs) It's minus 2 celsius, so you're dying of cardiac arrest hypothermia if you can swim and drowning if you can't. (laughs) From the moment you went to the water, you got about 15 to 30 minutes to live. Only 13 survivors were pulled into lifeboats from the water despite space for another 500 odd. Uh, Most people in the lifeboats feared that they were going to get pulled down by the suction of the ship going down i don't know if that's real I don't know if that's how that I've, works i'm
3: not i'm not sure i've never bothered to like look into that
0: no I don't but like, i don't want to if,
3: <laughs> but if we think it if like if we're thinking like aerodynamics like you know if you're like if you're driving behind someone yeah, you get and that, you're getting you get like,
0: dirty water
3: <laughs> yeah just a bit of dirty water <laughs> i don't know, but i'm not sure if that's how it works cause
0: so you know the different. boat just go over the water and spin out rapidly <laughs>
3: It's it's like the worst mental image that just came into my head. Just imagine you're on a ship and it starts just like swinging around uncontrollably. It's like at 200 miles an hour. All that (laughs) dirty water.
0: Martin Brundle's just commentating over the top of it.
3: <laughs> As you can see right there, <laughs> he's, he's in a bit of dirty water, now he's going to spin.
0: I <laughs> oh, just dip the rudder in the gravel a bit there.
3: <laughs> you know, He barely clips the iceberg, but at that point it's already too
0: late. <laughs> <laughs> Alex doesn't watch F1, so he doesn't get it.
2: I'm sorry, I will be like, yep
3: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so oh. aside from that like I, but i'm not sure like that actually can happen if just like if someone's going down in the water like you get dragged down with them just from proxy and not by like any external forces
0: mm. i don't know someone will tell us all right yeah. the carpathia arrives on the scene at about 4 a.m it dodged several icebergs itself on route to the location Lifeboats are brought alongside, and anyone who has the strength to climb the lo- rope ladders do. Everyone else is hoisted up in uh, slings on mail sacks. Which sounds fun, honestly. Uh. Yeah, but you got about <laughs> 700 survivors. They make it onto the Carpathia by 9am. Uh, long night for anyone who doesn't die. Yeah. Uh, Carpathia was on its way to Rijeka to pronounce that right i should have got that dude i I know enough about like slavic languages to fucking pronounce that right (laughs) whatever
3: yeah good thing i'm here
0: yeah good thing we got the the fucking talking slav (laughs) right it's on its way to rieka which turns around and goes to uh new york (laughs) it it doesn't have the medical supplies or provisions for 700 people uh, the Californian and the Mount Temple appear on the scene in the morning, but after two hours of searching for survivors, they find a few bodies and go home. Uh, obviously, the news have already reported the Titanic's loss. And it's worldwide news, because it's a big deal. By April 18th, when it gets back to New York, the Carpathia. Uh The US reports are a bit... bit more accurate than the british ones british ones initially stated no fatalities
3: yeah Uh, if you can't see anyone die did anyone die
0: exactly uh the us one reported some so a little bit better um white star had already begun retrieving the bodies from the site they got 328 recovered out of like 1500 dead not too not too bad i guess uh, they buried 120 at sea, 209 were brought on shore, 150 were buried in Halifax, Nova Scotia. The total number of fatalities depends on who you ask, the British, the Americans, whatever. The, um, estimates range from 1490 to 1635. The British border trade lists it at 1514, uh, from a total of 2224 people on board. So uh, it's pretty bad. Uh, due to the, you know, classes of women and children, only fifty-one percent of, uh, I right, no. know. All right, I started going into a different fucking segment there. The vast majority mm-hmm. of survivors were first and second class women and children. Fifty-one of percent of all children on board made it. Fifty-six saved against fifty-three died. Fifty-two of the oh. fifty-three were first third class of course. Seventy-four percent of women made it. Eighty-nine of the hundred. Nine being lost with third class 80% of all men on board died uh, 1,352 of the 1, 514 were men mostly crew in third class, only 57 guys from first class and 14 from second class made it uh, while 75 from third and 192 members uh, crew members made it just really, really appalling survival rate uh, us three had yeah. all die
3: yeah, pretty much like any of us would have been dead on that day.
0: No, I mean, I'm, 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 like, I'm an alpha, man. I'll just go there and say, nah, no, i me in the, the fucking it. lifeboat, man. <laughs> i
3: just swim back to land on my own. <laughs> I
0: heard a joke about that. I was like an Olympic swimmer on the Titanic and he's like, goes to the captain. And he's like, bro, point me in the direction of the nearest land and I'll swim for help. And he's like, all right, it's down. And just jumps
3: right in and freezes immediately. <laughs> His bombs away, and he goes. Yeah.
0: Oh fuck it, it's cold me. let me out! Let me out! <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, just
3: like those Finnish soldiers in like World War 2. They got the <laughs> Russian soldiers, they just posted them up frozen. <laughs> like they were like uh, markers in the dirt or whatever.
0: Yeah, like on Everest. <laughs> yeah. Uh, three pets survived i think i said two earlier it was three. Oh, uh fast. two of them at least two of them though were uh, those rich people handbag rat dog breeds
2: i, I like the idea like, that there's yeah. one champion of the work class dog it's a mutt yeah no they're
0: all first class i'm sorry <laughs> yeah but it but it wasn't a rat dog yeah um,
3: Is it, so it's like those dogs that get like the shit kicked in their eyes yeah for no reason
0: Right. Public reaction was bad.
3: Oh Oh, yeah, you don't say
0: (laughs) A lot of questions asked, like, why weren't there enough lifeboats? Why did Ismay save himself? Why did the ship sail at full speed in an ice field? Why did ship fall down? (laughs) Uh, 699 of the crew members were from Southampton, and 549 of those died. So, people in Southampton... Very sad. Uh people in Belfast were fucking gutted.
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Uh shipyard yokers were reportedly weeping in the streets.
3: <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah. Uh,
0: that's not good. Yeah, no good. British and US inquiries begin immediately. And they find that the regulations for the, you know, number of lifeboats ships have to carry is dangerously out of date and inadequate. (laughs) (laughs) Who would have thought? They also find that Captain Smith did not respond to ice warnings in an adequate manner. And that lifeboats had not been properly filled, crewed, or manned during the collision. Or afterwards. I should say. Uh, Yeah, they... Reform a shit ton of these regulations and standards. I
2: afterwards. can imagine Karen Smith probably wasn't that asked to be fair. She's left him a voyage and he's like, ah, oh, why this now? You know what I mean? I mean, Who's he, he was dead, so. He was no, dead. I'm saying, like, while he's going down and he's, he's mismanaging the whole situation. Oh, Only no. he's pretty, like, fuck's sake.
0: Yeah. Heck. He was reportedly in a catatonic state. <laughs> <laughs> um. Neither Inquiry blamed White Star Line or the International Mercantile Marine Company. This this disaster was categorised as an act of God. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, yeah. There were lots of changes in maritime regulations, of course. Ships now have to have enough lifeboats for all their passengers. Lifeboat drills have to be properly carried out. Radio equipment manned 24 hours a day. Uh, White Star paid some compensation to families. Not a lot. Up to like 300 quid for people who were dependent on crew members and dependents of passengers sued White Star. They were awarded like various amounts. I think the highest amount was up to 50k uh, US dollars
3: is that like a modern money or is yeah, that like modern money oh fucks sake that's like nothing
0: yeah uh insurers paid out over a million pounds at the time for lost possessions in cargo
2: <clears throat> so you get your money and your car back right?
0: there was one car mail. there was one car on board no,
2: whoever that whoever that one car was look at him
0: yeah right conspiracies
3: now, here's oh, the fun stuff. This is what I've been wanting to talk about the duty
0: battle. The, 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 there are a yeah.
3: few. The Olympic! <laughs> the sister-
2: fucking Olympic! Yeah, is right. the ship of the Titanic?
0: The big one is that the Titanic was swapped with the Olympic before its maiden voyage and purposely sank by JP Morgan so he could cash in on the insurance because the Olympic was damaged in the collision with the Hawk, of course. Uh. Um, the guy behind this one was called Robin Gardner. He basically just drew, draws on a bunch of conclusions, uh, coincidences, I should say, not conclusions, suggesting White Star would save money by sinking the ship and claiming the insurance versus repairing the Olympic. Uh, the Titanic cost more to build than it was insured for, incidentally. Uh, yeah.
2: The Robin Gardner guy, the guy who wrote this committee, if you listen to this, uh, if you look at a picture of him online, he looks like every conspiracy theorist ever, ever. Like, uh, he has combed hair, wears a knitted jumper, and has those cereal colour glasses, Like he just looks like he has a conspiracy theory.
0: Oh, he really does. <laughs> I see what he looks like. He looks racist.
2: He yeah. does look racist, you're right. Which makes sense, to be fair, a lot of conspiracy theorists are also racist.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's another one. Another conspiracy. JP Morgan had the sip ship sank on purpose to kill a bunch of his rich rivals. Um,
3: this one's very believable.
0: Yeah. <laughs> of course, the most efficient way to assassinate someone is to sink a ship.
2: Hey, man, you kill your KD ratio is pretty high? So. Yeah.
0: True. <laughs> yeah. Buy an iceberg is, as well. I,
2: some of the people are talking about later. <laughs>
0: Um, you yeah, Wouldn't
2: necessarily have to like you know like organize it to such precision. You could just purposely make a lot of failures in the ship. Yeah,
0: and uh, there were a few, to be fair. Yeah, but he didn't design it. Thomas Andrews did. But you know, could be I don't know. It sounds like bullshit to me. Um, sure, I mean it's J.P. Morgan. You could just have him shot.
2: Yeah, he's is J.P. Morgan.
0: Do whatever he fucking wants. Um, Right. Ocean deep. We know this. Yeah. Submarines not so good in 1912. True. And nobody knows where the ship went down. So people start planning to salvage it straight away. Uh, A consortium of the wealthier families of the victims, mostly the uh, Astors and the Guggenheims. Hire a company called the Merritt and Chapman Derrick uh wrecking company to raise the ship and it is immediately abandoned <laughs> because the, the pressure at twelve thousand feet below the surface is six thousand PSI and World War One happens. So people, you know, they got bigger titties to lick than a sunken steam liner. And people just kind of forget about it, the public. You know, World o 1's a bigger deal, right?
2: Yeah, yeah I'd imagine so, yeah. Uh, yeah. maybe.
0: There are a few people that still want to raise it, right? Uh, in 1914, Denver architect called Charles Smith proposes attaching big magnets to a submarine. <laughs> yeah, bitch! Magnets! <laughs> and would immediately, immediately draw the wreck steel hull. And then once he's found the wreck, they'll lower more magnets on winches to lift the ship to the surface.
3: I love, like, like, pre, like, um, like, mechanics in this era are so, like, fundamental. Like, they're just like, what if we just got a bunch of magnets and pulled it up using all
0: these magnets? People who aren't engineers getting into engineering. Yeah. (laughs) It's great. Um, Another proposal said, why don't we fill it with balloons? <laughs> <laughs> they dropped this one after they realised they'd have to inflate the balloons. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: mean, this is, exactly, like, this is the, exactly what I'm talking about. Like,
2: balloons. <laughs> balloons, yeah, yeah. It's just like bulk, out in a room in a pub. Completely ideas. No engineering background, but they're like, yeah, that'll <laughs> <Balloons>. work.
3: <laughs> Do you think like if this happened around the time like they had... Uh... Zeppelins, like they're just like, what if we tied
0: it to a zeppelin? <laughs> what, what if we got a bunch of zeppelins, right? And we just just pulled them up. By yeah. <laughs> well, the 60s and 70s, people have remembered that it exists, right? Because the wars are finished. uh We got money and time to waste.
2: Yeah, you got time to think about ships being sank a long time ago.
0: More silly ways to raise it include filling it with 180,000 tons of Vaseline and floating it. Uh, filling the wreck with ping pong balls, which overlook the fact that ping pong balls would be crushed by the pressure, wow. or to turn the wreck into an iceberg using liquid nitrogen and float it up. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's a book in 1976 called Raise the Titanic, uh, and in that they repair the holes in its hole and then pump it full of compressed air and float it up in the surface. They recreated this in the 1980 movie adaptation, which sucked ass. Uh, That movie, one of few Razzies, had a $40 million budget and made $7 mil at box office.
3: Kino. Yeah,
0: (laughs) Kino. Uh, In 1977, a dude called Robert Ballard gets involved. He's an oceanographer. He knows ships. (laughs) You know ships. Yeah, and uh, he's got a Titanic boner. He makes the first expedition to find it in October 77 using a deep-sea salvage vessel, but he doesn't find it. Uh, The drilling pipe is connected to bricks, and they lose 600k worth of sonar equipment.
3: Real clever. In
0: 1980 to 1983, a Texan oil baron called Jack Grimm sponsors various expeditions to find the wreck. Now, Jack Grimm had previously sponsored expeditions to find Noah's Ark, the Loch Ness Monster, Bigfoot, and a hole in the North Pole. Oh. Uh, he also oh, wow. had a trained monkey called Titan to point out where the Titanic is on a map. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Ooh, ah-ah! And it...
0: He later got rid of the... really he got... <laughs> <wrong with it>. <laughs> <laughs> he got rid of the monkey... <laughs> He got rid of the monkey because, like, the salvage team that he had to actually find the wreck said, look, it's him or us. (laughs) (laughs) Um, They got close. They passed over the wreck in 1983, but they didn't detect it. So, by 1985, Robert Ballard's back in the game, right? Uh, He's developed a new system for detecting underwater salvage with a sonar system called Argo and Jason. It's basically you have a deep-sea remote vehicle with sonar attached to it, and then a little robot tethered to it that can roam the seafloor and take close-up images. But it needs funding. So he goes to the US Navy, and they're like, oh, this is pretty cool. We'll f- we'll use it to find these two nuclear submarines we lost in the 60s.
3: Oh, as the Americans do. Yeah. Of that.
0: Uh, the, the Along USS... with, like, the
3: six bombs they, like, lost, just randomly.
0: Yeah. And the USS Thresher and the USS Scorpion. Uh, Bard finds them, and he also finds that they left a big debris field, bigger than the vessel themselves, right? Uh, now, when he's finding these, he's sent on another expedition to the Scorpion, and the U.S. Navy basically says, Okay, when you're done with that, you can look for the Titanic. That's 12 <laughs> days.
2: Do I do it a favor, and then you can have your fun.
0: Yeah, uh, twelve days isn't a long time. So he approaches a French oceanographic firm called I F R E M E R. Catchy.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, and they scan a big area where the ship was believed to have sunk. Uh, the French team spent five weeks scanning it and find nothing, but they proper whiffed it by like a few hundred feet on their first one.
1: Cool.
0: Yeah, I spent five weeks just getting kind of fuck all after that.
3: You said it took twelve days to find it.
0: Well, he had twelve like, days. That's
3: the amount of time he got allotted. So, like, like at the beginning, we're like, oh yeah, one of the first ships. It took like twelve days to cross the Atlantic, or like it took like sixteen days. You said across the Atlantic with steam power. So he had twelve days to just sit in one spot in the ocean to find one boat.
0: Yeah. <laughs> well, boats by this point are good. The faster. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and
3: they
0: don't, like, wreck. Yeah. Well, uh, sometimes. Yeah. Uh, he uses a sonar, but he decides just doing that and looking for the wrecks a waste of time, right? Because wrecks are small, an ocean big. Yeah. So he looks for debris field instead. And on 12.48 a.m., on the 1st of September, 1985, they find it. Not not the wreck, the debris field. They, they find a boiler. They find the wreck the next day, after oh, yeah. 73 years or so ship fall down now found uh makes headline news all over the world and it kicks off a craze of titanic mania you know like people start making documentaries movies breweries apparently <laughs> At pub. I, I really don't respect titanic breweries man that'd be a sucked <laughs> <laughs> expensive dude it's like three quid for well, more than that like 350 it's like a pint which sucked um, So they found it right, and they go back to the wreck the following July, and they use a deep dive sub. uh, They actually go to the wreck using more than just like submersibles with cameras. People are there. They make thirty-two dives between July '86 September '87, and people start salvaging objects from the wreck, right? Which controversial because it's a mass grave.
2: Yeah, it is a mass grave.
0: Yeah. Master, uh, in 1991, IMAX, CBS, and the National Geographic carry out 17 dives to the wreck. They used the footage to make the 1995 documentary film *Titanica*. Now, there's a, a new company gets formed called RMS Titanic Inc. And they're going to raise 5,000 objects from the wreck between 1993 and 2000. Most notably, a 20-ton, 15 by 25 feet section of the hull nicknamed the big piece where do you think that big piece is currently on display
2: i'm going to guess
0: belfast the uh... luxor hotel and casino in las vegas <laughs>
3: <laughs> i was i was going to say like southampton but like
2: yeah, I was going to just say, like, you'd play the Belfast Titanic Museum, but nope, that makes more sense, to be honest, if
0: you're a luxor hotel. Yeah, these are <laughs> Americans that founded. so... RMS Titanic Inc. is an American company. Um, I can't remember who it's owned by, but they basically just make money by having Titanic objects and touring them around the country. In, like, music, like four displays and museums sort of thing. They are a for-profit organisation. So um robert ballard uh he's dead against it right he said it's grave robbing effectively which it is
3: which is true yeah,
0: yeah. um
3: just grave robbing like basically a bunch of poor people were fucking drowning and they're like oh yeah let's just take all the shit that yep. they never got to see
0: yeah pretty much pretty much uh in 1995 JS cameron made his first of 12 dives to the wreck, to gather footage for Titanic movie, of course. He also made a bunch more in 2001 for his documentary Ghosts in the Abyss. Um, the discovery of the wreck itself kind of made him want to write it in the, in the 80s. Uh, the, the movie itself, by the way, cost more than the, the ship to make. Uh, they also used big water tank, big models... Uh, largely practical effects and Kate Winslet said she would never work with Cameron again. Uh, For Last 20 years or so. You know, just a bunch more salvage operations. Thousands more taken by the wreck. Right. Tourists can go if they want. Costs like a hundred grand. Uh, I'd do that.
2: Podcast, next podcast, we'll do it outside the wreckage.
0: If so, you could pay me to go and I would not look at it. <laughs> Close my eyes, man. <laughs> I'd be the only person in history to go to the wreck of a ship and not look at it.
2: Yeah, there's a gentleman rule amongst divers that uh, there's not been like confirmed like human remains. But if you are to see one, you just like turn the cameras off and you don't say anything.
0: Yeah. Um. Well, there aren't any human remains. on it, of course, they all all the bodies got like eight...
2: By oh, yeah bacteria. but obviously a lot of people say like the shoe really must yeah, yeah a shoes good
0: shoes are the but only things that are left
2: there's a few quotes from divers who have said that if they were to see one they wouldn't uh comment oh, or four or anything
0: yeah leave it as um lots of submarine visits uh which of course means some of them crashed into the wreck and damaged it <laughs> And in two thousand and one, an American couple got married on a submersible, set down on the bow of the wreck as a publicity stunt. Oh, fuck's sake! Very distasteful. I am out.
2: Yeah, quite
0: a classic. Yeah, it's um, just
2: like yeah, it is just like getting getting married at a giant masquerade grave. That's what you're doing there. Basically,
0: dude, we got married. Like we got married fucking... at Ground Zero.
2: <laughs> yeah, I was about to say like, imagine getting married at fucking Ground Zero. I was thinking, earlier to be fair, this is a, like a nine, twelve equivalent of nine eleven. Oh yeah, yeah. Less in the geopolitical sense, more in like the whole, like the the event holy scale, shit. Yeah, the scale. Yeah, more in the holy shit scale. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. yeah this is nuts. Um, corpses, right? All consumed by fish and crustaceans. Disappeared in the forties at the latest. The only thing left now is the shoes, like we said earlier. Hmm. Who owns it? owns the wreck? Oh boy. Nobody, right? I mean, basically it's in national waters. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. You'd think, but But, however. Ballard found it. He didn't take anything because he's sound and he was like, nah, it's not cool. Jack Grimm's an oil baron. He didn't care. He he said, well, we found it first because we owned it. Well, we went over (laughs) it and he planned to raise it. We didn't, obviously. A British (laughs) insurance company claimed it. Uh, after two weeks and then so did a single British man called Douglas Falco Woolley based on a 1960s ruling by the British Board of Trade that awarded him ownership of the wreck.
2: (laughs) That's a bold statement from him.
0: Yeah. Did not hold up in court. (laughs) Obviously. Uh, From a legal standpoint RMS Titanic Inc. have the best shot of owning the wreck but it's an American company owned by Premier Exhibitions they organised travelling exhibitions. They're responsible for raising thousands of artefacts from the wreck. They've sold a shit-ton of them at auction to private collectors. They own, currently own, five and a half thousand of them. These artefact themselves, about 1,300 of them, are on permanent display around the world. Ballard thinks they're twats, doesn't like him. thinks they're scummy grave robbers, thinks the wreck should have just been left as it is.
2: I think he's spot on. I mean, I, I can't think of anything i would think less like, it in my house than, like... Yeah. A piece of someone's big grave.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, well, this is the, this to be arguin, right? So people think. Well, I mean, scientists are like, right? The wrecks could just collapse by twenty thirty, because mm, yeah. you know, twelve thousand feet below the water, so it's organic, it, six, so, 6 so thousand pressure. Yeah, I mean, not just yeah. the pressure, but it's been eaten basically by stealing bacteria. So yeah. people are like, well, if it's not going to be there forever, we should salvage what we can, but mass grave just fucking leave it yeah 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 right I'll ask it's, a,
3: it's really interesting honestly it's just like um like like yeah it's a mass grave but at the same time like if you want to raise it like that's it's just mm, i wouldn't raise it personally but if it, from the point of view of like if you want to raise it like now is the time to do it because it'll be there yeah. forever yeah yeah but, but oh. it's interesting to think about if you would ever, if you would ever like consider raising it at any point, well, they can't
0: raise the wreck itself. Yeah, because it's just
3: going to collapse instantly.
0: Yeah, also it's in two pieces. Yeah, and just sink again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the last survivor died in nineteen, in two thousand and nine. Sorry, I should say she was ninety-seven. She was two months old when it sank. Ah. Cool. She was invited to the premiere of James Cameron's Titanic and is documentary *Ghost in the Abyss. And uh, she declined.
3: I wonder why.
0: She she did see the 1958 film A Night to Remember, and had nightmares afterwards. Because, uh, you know, her dad died in the same She You not want to imagine dar is one of just the faceless people in the crowd as it goes down.
1: Shocker,
2: really, that you don't want to imagine that. Like you you, you participate in a massively horrifying event.
0: Yeah, uh, she also criticised the Doctor Who episode Voyage of the Damned. I don't know if you remember that one. They had a big spaceship called Titanic. <laughs>
2: Uh, it still makes you think because there is movies about the Titanic, obviously. Is when's there going to be the first nine eleven movie? That's going to be a thing. Well, no, that man, already happened. There's already been Did quite it? a lot
0: of nine eleven
3: movies. Has there? I think so. There's, there's one... like a movie about some kid's dad who died in like
0: nine eleven. No, dude, there's one there's, I can't remember what it's called. There's one with Nicolas Cage and all uh the guy who played Carlton and uh, Fresh Prince of Bel Air in it. I can't remember I watched it in school once. I can't remember what it was called. Let me, let me check. I think it, yeah, it was literally called World Trade Center. It came out in 2006. Jesus Christ. It wasn't the worst movie in the world.
2: It's five years after, though. Like, yeah, come I mean, on.
0: It, was pre- oh, it wasn't... was Sorry, it wasn't the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air guy. It was Michael Pena. Oh... <laughs> uh. Uh, he's a good actor. Yeah, no, that um, that movie's okay. It's not... It's, like, pretty... It's about as respectful as it could be. But not, like... I mean, fucking... Making a Doctor Who episode about it is pretty distasteful. Yeah. Um... Yeah, a, a woman... A spokeswoman for the show for the BBC said... Said, and I quote, No offence was intended. The episode is set on a spaceship called the Titanic and not a boat. Ah... <laughs> Yeah, justifiable it's just, like, hey,
3: it's just named the titanic it's just not based <laughs> not on anything. the titanic yeah it's not the titanic so you can't it's just pretend it.
0: yeah it's fine Um, I just want to add Milvina, uh, Dean she was the name of the woman she had to sell a bunch of stuff in 2008 <laughs> to fund her healthcare because she's 96 and the NHS aren't funding her a hip operation yeah um, a fund was set up to help cover the costs James Cameron, Lady DiCaprio, and Kate Winslet and all Dion all donated ten grand each, right? I, I just want to point out James Cameron is worth four billion dollars. <laughs> I feel like he could have just gone, all right, yeah, he was like forty K to pay for your hip operation. Yeah. Um now the wreck's super deep, right? And people have thought, Oh, it's super deep. There's no lights, cold water, it'll be fine, it's basically in deep freeze. No, it's not how it works. Um <laughs> It's in a canyon, strong current that changes a lot, a lot of salt corrosion. Uh, the bacteria I talked about, it's called Halomonas titanica, and it's eating the rust. Uh, so it's rapidly de- deteriorating condition of the wreck. Uh, Henrietta Mann and Bavlin Cower of the Dalhousie Un- uh, University in Nova Scotia reckon it's going to be gone by 2037. Like, well. Some people have said that it has till 2030 tops and then it'll just be a big pile of rusty metal on the seafloor
2: rather than like a ship that a noticeable shaped object.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean the bow section just looks like fucking nothing now anywhere.
3: Yeah. I just like imagine like it just all is pretty much just like and now at this point like it's pretty much like the frame that's left over and anything else is just like corroded and just like gone. Like
0: basically I haven't seen Just pictures of it because I don't want to, because of my yeah. But from what I hear, it looks like shit now. Oh man, man! It's all like droopy and stuff. Looks like it's had a stroke.
2: Yeah. Well, the Titanic wreck. Yeah. I've, lo- I've been looking at pictures. I've been talking about it, and it is very droopy. Droopy. It's like it's leaning forward. It looks very much like a whale now. I can't lie. <laughs> yeah.
0: Very cool.
3: Yeah, it's yeah, it's like sloped
0: down
2: now. The, the creepy part is the picture of the very front of it. The point, um, cause it, it looks like there's a person leaning over. Mm. Where, yeah, like, that, where that like that the moss is like right on now. the uh, on the whatever it is on the front. Yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 Uh, that's pretty much it.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh. Very fun, interesting topic. I just, I just want to point out because I don't think I said it earlier but like all the people that died in it had fucking no chance
3: yeah basically like they. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it they, was they, basically like um, predetermined like yeah like if anything happened like if anything happened on the voyage like they would have been dead anyway so, uh,
0: these yeah, so were, the vast majority watched. of people on this ship were viewed as expendable
2: if you watch this at night you can go to bed now knowing that many of these thousands uh, over a thousand people sat there in a room yeah, knowing their death was coming, and merely brace for it. Yep. Force coming to one of the most painful deaths you could experience.
0: Oh, yeah, I mean, if you can...
2: Drowning, in freezing cold Atlantic.
0: Yeah, I mean, the two ways you're going out, you're either freezing to death or you're drowning, or both.
2: Or getting uh... crushed by the, bit the, sh- the pressure of the ship collapsing above you.
0: Yeah, oh, you know, maybe you get... Maybe that guy jumped off the end and hit his head on the propeller. Nah, or... Yeah, Probably the nicest way to go, honestly. Yeah, yeah. quickest. mm
2: Oh, you just got too scared and kill yourself probably fly
3: away, fly away even out.
0: yeah it could be that guy who shot yourself
3: yeah i just like I wouldn't like the panic that would set in like you'd probably just not even know what to do and you'd probably just like faint honestly
0: oh, yeah probably I, I think if you presented me with a chance okay you're on a big ship in the ocean and it's sinking and you will die there's no way you can get off I'd probably just go into shock yeah, yeah. like once that realisation set in
3: yeah just like i don't know it's it's a situation that like never happened basically but mm. those people had to experience it and you can only just uh kind of formulate what would you would what would what would have been basically or speculate it's no fun
0: i feel like this is going to become a recurring theme on this podcast just, no, just like we get to the end really and we just funny, feel like, like shit. Yeah,
3: hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck, man. It's a uh, fucking stunk ass. Yeah. Oh, it, says that the, it says that the vehicle in the ship was a Renault.
0: <laughs> oh, hell
3: yeah. I do right, I do It's the Renault. I was thinking I'd like, probably like a Ford, but no. Renault's cool. That's cool. A Vauxhall, a Vauxhall Corsa. <laughs> just sitting at the bottom of the ocean.
0: It's one of those V6 Clios. You're sat in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right i say this was fun, but it ended up being really depressing. Yeah. All right. Sad. Next episode will be fun. We, we've got yeah, to do a fun one. I think, I don't know, we could do the next one on the uh, European Super League, because I actually yeah, wrote that.
3: Really, yeah, that's going to be. Oh, you fun. recording still?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. This is the outro.
3: Yeah. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. All right. Yeah, that'll do. <laughs>